0: So we're gonna move along and have um, the first word from the devotional anchored in love. Remember, today's conference is all about the scriptures that are found in the devotional. This forty-day devotional. I think it's been three, four months now that we've released, released uh, the devotional and our aware of God this afternoon with us I just want to read here the introduction is from Psalm 66 verse 16 to 19 and it says come and hear all you who fear God let me tell you what he has done for me I cried out to him with my mouth his praise was on my tongue If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. And Anchored in Love was, actually is a personal gift from me to God, who has ensured that ever since I said, yes, Lord, I am your child, I am your servant, he has carried me in the palm of his hand. So... Our first speaker I want to introduce her, is Pastor Irene. Hello, Pastor Irene. Good afternoon, Pastor Irene. Pastor Irene is one of my mothers from Pretoria. I've lived almost everywhere between, you know, Rustenburg, Pretoria, Joburg, and Street. We are being shepherded by her as women, young ladies under the ministry called Tibora arise network and she has a whatsapp group where we meet and fellowship and she's got a whole lot of projects that she you know she teaches us about god and being true vessels of god and true ambassadors true uh, disciples of god and she's going to be sharing us from the word that in day 3 of the devotional I just want to quickly read what I wrote for that specific day. She will share the Bible verse with us, but I'm just going to read what I wrote. Loving the Lord with all your heart translates to simply having your mind renewed. When your mind knows that God is limitless and that he created you, heaven and earth, you will have no choice but to wholeheartedly worship him. You will give your body as a living sacrifice unto him. Your lips will declare his praises daily. When you love the Lord, you make sure that you walk in his will, being obedient to his commands. Mm -hmm. Loving God helps you to guard your heart because you know that issues of life flow from there. You want to live in his presence at all times because there is peace and joy in his sanctuary. Mm Secondly. God wants us to love our neighbors. God wants us to be a blessing to those we live with. He expects us to be a beacon of hope to the hopeless and to those in need. He expects us to love everyone uh, and to also remember them in our prayers. And I also have a portion where there's a prayer and a portion where you have to reflect as a child of God. Pastor Irene, over to you.
1: Okay. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Hi, Leseho. <laughs> Hi, Pastor
0: Irene. If you see me standing up from my white chair, just know that I'm saying you have two minutes remaining.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm so glad to be here with women. Everybody who knows me know that I love women. I am so excited, thrilled to be a woman. Um, thank you, Lessejo. Thank you, ladies. Wonderful sharing. We are blessed to be together today. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we adore you. Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, we worship you. Have your way. Speak to us and do something unprecedented, something that will shift our lives going onwards from today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, am in love. Um, So I'll be sharing from Matthew chapter 22, 37 to 39. Let me just quickly read it, even though it's a familiar verse. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. I'm reading from the American Standard Version. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is this is wonderful. So you find that this scripture is actually divided into two. The first part is, is talks about our relationship with God, and the second part, our relationship with others, with our fellow human beings. And you may want to ask yourself. You know, what does it mean really practically to love God with the whole of our heart, our soul, our mind? This is a commandment you will find in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And Jesus is saying this is the greatest commandment. This is the commandment that shifts everything. This is the commandment that, you know, causes everything to fall into alignment. And I am saying to love God this way means to consistently, intentionally, persistently enthroned, 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 crown him king of our hearts. Every human being, God designed us with an altar. There is an altar in our hearts. There is a throne in the human heart. The the, the scientists, uh, uh, Blaise Pascal, described this as the God-shaped vacuum which only God can fill our hearts are, are the altar, are, they are God's altar and to love him this way with the whole of our heart, mind, strength is to enthrone him, to make him king over our hearts. And what this actually means is to allow him to be the center, allow him to be the center of our thoughts. Our desires, our affections, our dreams, aspirations, choices, plans, activities, ambitions, and everything about us. <laughs> we involve him in everything we do. You know something that is sad? Something that is sad is that it's what God said in Isaiah 29 verse 13. God said, these people worship me with their mouth, but their hearts are far away from me. I think that this is the bane of modern day Christianity, where we worship God with our mouths. We worship, we go to church, we serve. Some of us are pastors, some of us are missionaries, but the reality is that God Almighty is not, Jesus Christ is not allowed to be king over our hearts, over our lives. God or Jesus is actually on the periphery. He is treated like a spare tire. He is treated like icing on the cake. He is like a side. We all, he's a firefighter for us. He's an ATM card. We run to him in times of crisis. He is not king. He is not king over our desires and ambitions. But for him to be king over our hearts, we need to consciously, it's something we do intentionally, we need to make him consciously king of everything. When you wake up in the morning, You know, as women, you wake up in the morning, you are thinking about the day's activities, you are thinking about the office, you are thinking about the shopping, you are thinking about your clothes, you know, throughout the day, you are busy with so many things that are important to you. Oh my goodness, God is left on the side. And this is the way we live our lives all the time and we wonder that we are not impacting our world the way we should. We, are, we simply do religion. We have not learned the power of allowing God to truly be king over our lives. I, if you, if you re- notice, this is actually a command. It's a responsibility that we must obey. You say, you must love. It's a command. It's not an emotion. We are not being told that we should feel nice about God. No, we are actually commanded to love God. It's a command. It's a responsibility. And you know why we are commanded, you know, to love God that way so radically? That he's in our every thought. He's in our actions. He's in our plans. We are asking, I'm asking myself, Father, what do you, I wake up, Father, how do you want me to please you today? How do you want me to dress? What do you want me to wear? I'm going to the mall. Is there something? Is there somebody waiting for me at the mall to pray for? Lord, what do you want me to do in my office today? Is there, do you have an assignment for me in the office, in the business place today? He is constantly, we are, we are involving him consciously in every throughout the day. And the reason why is that, really, I'm sure we probably know it, but I'm reminding us again, the Bible says that God is our husband. The relationship we have with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ, more than father, daughter, shepherd, sheep, oh my goodness, the relationship is a marriage covenant. It's a marriage covenant. It's a a relationship of commitment. It's a relationship of sacrifice. When two people are in a covenant, they actually lose their lives. In a true marriage, the husband does not have a life of his own. The wife does not have a life of her own. Her total commitment is to help her husband to be all that God wants him to be. The husband in turn, his total commitment is to help his wife become all that God wants her to be. No matter how costly it is, that is a marriage covenant. And that is why the Lord is saying, because the Lord himself loves us. He loves us sacrificially. Jesus Christ loves. I usually say that Jesus is the bridegroom that paid the lobola with his own blood. He paid the lobola with his very life. And that is why he demands that we love him with everything that we are. It's a marriage covenant. And then we need to ask ourselves, what kind of love are we talking about? Sisters, We are talking about crazy love. Love the Lord your God with the whole of your heart, your energy, your strength. Everything you have is constantly being driven, being moved towards glorifying God. Yes, we are talking about being writers, but I'm talking about being a writer, a writer that wants to glorify God, not necessarily make money. Even if I don't make money, I'm going to spread the message. I am going to proclaim the word because the love of Jesus is primary. Even if I lose money, I am going to proclaim the message. Hmm. It's a crazy love. It's an addictive love. Sisters, we we were designed to be addicted to the love of God. Do you know why many women are struggling with addictions? Because the addiction that is meant to be directed towards God is directed towards social media food, fashion, food, men, marriage, or whatever. We actually designed to be addicted, really, we are. That is the truth. And that is what the problem is. We are constantly seeking other things to fulfill that need for addiction. But the truth is, only God, the vacuum in the human heart can only be filled by God, by the love of God, by the Lord Jesus, no man. I have seen women that are married to good men, they're wealthy men, but they still battle with depression because marriage has not filled that vacuum. Successful career has not filled that vacuum. But the, the, James chapter four, verse five says something. It actually says that the spirit that God put in us is a jealous spirit. God is jealous. God wants us for himself. Jesus cannot share us. He wants us 100%. It is a, he has put a jealous spirit within us that is jealous when we allow other things to preoccupy us. Ours is a generation, sadly, that does not have a passionate, addictive, hot love for God. Ours is like the Laodicean Church, where God Almighty says, you are neither hot nor cold, and I'm going to spit you out of your mouth. We are a generation that is so lukewarm, because if we we were hot for crying out loud, our world, South Africa, Uh, Nigeria, Kenya, Africa will not be the way it is. Our love is so lukewarm. It's so ordinary. It is so casual. It is not consuming us. The love that God is asking us to develop is a consuming love. It's a crazy love. It's a love that is ready to sacrifice anything. Because the love that God has for us is the love, like I said, that made him give up everything. Jesus gave up his throne, he is God, but he came and died like a criminal because he he wanted to show his love to Irene, and that is me. And then you may want to ask yourself, is God an authoritarian God? Is he a dictator? Why is he even asking that we should love him with the whole of our heart, our mind, Is he a dictator, my precious sisters? You know what? Like a loving parent, a loving and wise parent. God knows that if we love him this crazy way, this passionate, addictive way, you know what happens? We are set free. We are set free to be all that he designed us to be because love is so empowering. Oh, God, the love of God, loving God crazily frees us because loving God crazily means that Jesus Christ is enthroned as king over our hearts and our thoughts and our lives. And you know what that means? What it actually, it's what Paul was saying in Galatians 2.20. It is no longer me that is living. I don't have plans of my own. It is no longer me that is living, it is Christ that lives in me. His, my ambitions, my dreams, my desires, my aspirations are flowing from him. I love the sister that said, you don't do something because other people are doing it. You don't, usually many women live a life of competition uh, or copycat, oh, somebody is doing this and it's, it's, it's attracting them, whatever. Oh. Maybe I should do that. No. When you allow Jesus to reign on the the throne of your heart, it is no longer you living. It frees you from being an ordinary woman. It empowers you to live these supernatural lives. He begins to download his ideas. He begins to download his creativity. He begins to download resources that you never thought of, that you are not even qualified to access, he begins to download them into your life. Do you know what? Scientists, sisters, scientists have discovered that human beings, we are wired for love. Scientists have discovered we are actually wired for love. Love and the the world is in the crisis we are today because of a crisis of love. People don't know the love of God. And because they don't know the love of God, they cannot love others. People, women are broken. Women are, are wounded because they are disconnected from the love of God. We are wired for love. Love sets us free to soar like eagles, to fulfill divine destiny. Love empowers us, it makes us fearless. Love makes us fearless. Love establishes us, it roots, it anchors, it grounds us firmly into who we are meant to be. Look at the early church. Read the history of Christianity. The early church, read the book of Acts, how they uh, faced persecution. They were killed. They were uh, were thrown to lions. Read the the church history. And you know what? They died fearlessly. They were crazy about Jesus. Actually, some of them, some of them were actually, their they, they, they prisoners wanted to set them free. But you know what they said? No, 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 no. They don't want to be set free. They are crazy for Jesus. Therefore, they feel honored to die for him. Look at us, how we are so easily intimidated. We are so easily discouraged. Women are born again. They are even pastors. They are ministry, but they are battling with depression. Pastors are committing suicide. Our family, uh, pastors are de- divorcing because we lack the empowering love of God. Love empowers us because 1 first, first John chapter 4, verse 8 says, perfect love casts out fear. When you allow the love of God to control your life, you are fearless. You don't fear people. You don't fear devil. You don't fear COVID. You don't fear economic recession. You don't fear retrenchment. You don't fear poverty. You don't fear nothing. You don't fear uh, uh, sin. The reason why we, we compromise we commit fornication. We commit adultery. We embezz. It is because the love of God is not supreme. Once we love God supremely, it, everything falls into alignment. We everything. I'm not going to bed with you. Uh, you know, yeah, you don't want to marry me. I want to get married. Maybe I'm 35 and I'm still single, but I'm not going to bed with you. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus too much. If it means staying single, it's gonna be tough, but there, there it is. I cannot compromise because he is the love of my life. Okay, so the, the next thing I want to talk about it, how do we cultivate this kind of crazy, crazy love? Let us recognize really, sisters, that we were, we were created for God. I think L- Leseo alluded to that. We, we are created for the presence of God. Psalm 90 says, "O oh Lord, our God, you have been our dwelling place. Isn't it? Acts chapter 17, I think verse 28, it says, in him we live and move and have our dwelling. God is our dwelling place. We actually designed to live in God and God in us. How crazy is that? It That is our reality. That is our normal. That is our normal mode. We are created for the presence of God. And sisters, let me tell you, God is real. You can see God. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Hmm. You can smell God, read Psalm 45, you can actually smell God. You can taste God, Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh yes, you can smell, you can hear him. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. God is real. I know that sometimes when I'm in the presence of God, I, I find myself shivering, shivering shivering. It means that God has come close to me in a special way or tears will just fall. I'll begin to gasp for breath. Read the scriptures. When people encountered God, you know, some of them fainted. Some of them just passed out because the presence of God is overpowering. Sisters, God is real. So how do we cultivate this presence? Pursue God. David said in Psalm 42, As the the deer pants after the water brooks, so does my heart pant. Pursue God, sisters, pursue Him. And and I'm not talking about having devotions. You know you can have devotions and still live a disconnected life. You have a devotion, 30 minutes, it's over, close your Bible, off you go, do your own stuff, carry (laughs) business as usual. You can't even remember what, what you read. That is devotion, but sisters, if you want to begin to experience God in a special way, devote your life to God, devote, invest time, invest time, invest your energy to pursue him, to cultivate that relationship with him Yes, when you wake up in the morning, wake up with him, not with your plans for the day. Father, I thank you for this day. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Jesus, you are wonderful. What is on your heart, Lord? You know, like, like two, two lovers, because he's really our lover. What is on your heart, Lord? What do you want to share with me? I want to go to checkers today. Lord, do you want me to go? Or you want me to do something else? I'm going to the office. I want to really experience you at the office today. Lord, you are wonderful. Yes, you talk to him. He's real. He's real. You worship him. Oh, you are excellent. You are wonderful. There is no one like you. You read your Bible, not because you are doing devotion, but because you want to hear his voice. You want to connect with him. And then you obey him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, initially, as you begin to pursue God, in this new way, connecting with him, engaging him. It might seem challenging and difficult, but you know what? Because there is something you desire. You desire the best. I personally desire the best that God has. Sometimes when I hear testimonies of of men and women of God of yesteryears, I weep, I say, Father, what about me, Lord? What about me, Lord? I've experienced you, but I long for more. Because of that hunger and thirst, you will persevere. You will persevere until eventually you break out into that new realm of deep intimacy. One of the things the Holy Spirit taught me you know, recently is wherever I am, you know, I, I dialogue with the Lord maybe I'm doing some work on my computer. After some time, I take maybe like two minutes. In fact, it's not up to two minutes, one minute. And I say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Then I continue with what I'm doing. You can do this in the office. You can do this while driving. You can do this in the kitchen. Of course, sometimes I forget, you know, but the battle for intimacy. The struggle for intimacy will, will drive me on. I will keep on, you know, persevering. And now I'm at a better place. You know, I'm at a better place. The last thing I want to talk about, um, as I close, is the second part: of our relationship with other people, loving others as yourself. Hmm. You know what? What? you embrace the love of God and you, 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 you respond to the love of God, it's easy to love people. You know what? You know why? Because Romans chapter five, verse verse five says, the love of God has been shed abroad into our hearts. So the love of God is already there. It's not like you need to manufacture the love because love, sisters, is, is a verb. Love is a verb, love is action. Once you begin to practice love, you begin to experience the feelings of love. I know there are difficult people in our world, but for me, what makes me to love people is because God loves me. God loved me when I was a rebel. That's what first John chapter four, verse 10 says and 19, that while we were sinners, God loved me as a rebel. As a crazy, stubborn rebel, he kept pursuing me. And whenever I remind, I need to remind myself that God loved me as a rebel. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, even as God has forgiven us, we need to forgive others. What will I do without the forgiveness of God? What will I do if God will not forgive me? So that becomes a motivation to love others, to forgive them, to be patient. First Corinthians 13 talks about the characteristics, the nature of love, kind. Sometimes I hear women, take for example, you are sitting amongst women and then somebody says something beautiful, something makes a, a positive comment about Leseho or Unati. And then another woman close by say, hmm, you think Leseho is wonderful? Hmm, Unati, ha, hey, wait. Ah, esh, wait until you see the other side of her. Wow, that is wickedness. Love is kind. Even when love wants to, when love needs to confront, it is kind. Speaking the truth in love. It will not go, love will not go and assassinate Unati or nare, no. I think there is a problem I see amongst us today. Somebody said, is something wrong? Did I offend you? Oh no, it's fine. But the truth is, I have offended you. You know what happens? The relationship is over. Psh, that's it. But, but what, is, is something, oh no, no, it's fine. And yet we are believers, we are servants of God, but love is patient. Love is, is long-suffering, love perseveres. Love will not give up. Why? Because love, the love of God has not given up on me. Love will not give up on me. Therefore, I will not give up on another person, even the difficult people in my life. Romans seventeen twenty one: overcome evil with good. You know what? It's easy to love nice people, oh my goodness. It is so easy (laughs) to But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says there is no reward for loving people who love you. Because it says the Pharisees, the tax collectors, the Sangomas, the, the witch doctors, the terrorists, they love people who love them. The reward comes from loving people who are not lovable. By the grace of God, reaching out to them, overcoming evil with good, and not paying them back in their own coin. Love is sincere, it's not hypocritical. Many times, our love is hypocritical, especially in the days of social media. Who we love with emojis? Oh, yes, we send them. There's virtual hug. Oh my goodness! How hypocritical! We send them a virtual hug. We send them, you know, a heart. Oh, we say wow. We say wonderful. But we are not willing. First John three sixteen says, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. True love is a laying down of life. It is so sad. I discovered years ago, and I share it often, that love is painful. Oh, to love is painful. Love hurts. Loving nice people, oh, so cool. Oh, they are nice, they like you. They visit you, they take you out for lunch. They buy you gifts, they, they appreciate you. Oh, that's not love, that's human love. But loving difficult people hurts people that even reject you, people that condemn you, people that insult you, humiliate you, gossip about you, put you down. Think that, you know, anything, there's nothing you do that is ever good, it hurts. It takes the grace of God to say, Father, you have loved me as a rebel. And Romans chapter five, verse five says, that your love has been shed into my heart. I choose to respond to that love. I choose to activate it. Please activate your love, your divine love in my heart, so that I can love the unlovable. Unlo- this is where I'm going to close with this scripture. Um, Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to close with it and I'm going to pray for us. Colossians chapter 3, from verse 12. It just helps us highlight what love, you know, it's all about. Colossians chapter three from verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love. That is where I conclude as I pray for us. Hmm. Father, we worship you. Father, we exalt you. This afternoon, my prayer for you, for myself, sisters, is that whoever, whatever is sitting on the throne of our hearts, competing for the place of supremacy that belongs. Only to Jesus, only to God. This afternoon, if you agree with me, wherever you are, we agree together. We are bringing down, we are bringing down that monarch, that monarch that is competing for supremacy on the altars of our heart. We bring him or her or whatever it is down in the name of Jesus. We remove all the obstacles. Every hindrance that stops us from pursuing this deep intimacy and friendship with God. We remove the obstacles. We remove the veil of religion that makes us think that loving God is to be very religious, to be very active, preaching, teaching, Oh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, on that day, some people will say, we cast out demons, we raised the dead, we performed miracles, but Jesus will reject them. Religiosity, ministry, activities is not a sign necessarily that we love God. Jesus said, allowing me to do my will is your life. Whether you like it or not, that is love. So Father, we banish, we move aside all the obstacles that hinder us from genuinely pursuing deep friendship with you in the name of Jesus and we are enthroned this afternoon, we enthrone enthroned Jesus as king over our heart. Oh, Jesus, you must be king. We, wa- we crown you king over our hearts, our decisions, our plans, our choices, our affections. You are the king of our affection. You are the king of our plans, our, our activities, our domesticity, our marriage. You are the, no- oh God, you are our number one lover. You, beyond our husbands, boyfriends, whoever, children, you are our number one lover. Holy Spirit, we invite you to teach us, teach us how to develop this crazy, passionate, addictive love, obsessive love for Jesus Christ. Because when we do, our lives will be empowered to shift our world. We will no longer be part of the solution, uh, part of the problem, but we become the solutions, the change agents, radical agents of change in a world gone wrong. Thank you, Father. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. We have prayed. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Pastor Irene. Amen. We thank, we thank the Lord. We thank the power of the Holy Spirit for such a powerful teaching. Sure. I I was I was taking down notes. I've got like three pages full, Auntie Irene. (laughs) You just downloaded everything onto us. You taught us that we need to crown the lord as the king of our hearts we need to make him the center of our thoughts our desires our affections and everything you know um maybe i'll I'll borrow your notes (laughs) (laughs) yes Yes. like god is our husband we are in a marriage covenant with him and we we need to Strive to cultivate, to pursue him and to cultivate crazy love. We need to cultivate crazy love with God and be able to love others in the same manner that God loves us. Let it not be about religion, but let it be about passionate, intimate love for God. Thank you very much, Pastor Irene. Thank you, Andy Irene. Mm -hmm. Pastor Irene, like I said earlier on, is is a missionary here in South Africa, and she's the founder of Deborah Arise Network. They have a Facebook page, and if you want to be in contact with Pastor Irene, you may send me a message on 061-540-7386. And with her permission, I will share her contact details with you. Thank you very much, Auntie Irene.